It had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather. In each episode, I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Matt Bowes. How are you? I am uh, well, as about as well as possible. Yeah. Considering. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, we are still in the middle of, well, it seems like the beginning still of uh, our lockdown. Hope everyone is staying inside and staying safe. But, you know, as a romantic comedy podcast, you know, we are trying our best to be entertaining and you know, let you think about something else for a few minutes. Matt, I'm very excited to have you on, especially with the film that you chose, which is one that is utterly delightful and escapist. Uh, would you like to introduce the film for us today? Sure. Well, I was looking at your list on Letterboxd, and I think this is probably the oldest one now, right? Yes. That, yeah, this for is sure it is, yeah. 36, yeah. yeah. So this is My Man Godfrey by uh, director Gregory Lacava. Yes, um, definitely a major, uh, major classic in sort of the screwball comedy in like the 1930s, 40s era. Do you remember the first time you saw the film? I would have seen this for the first time when I was in university. So that would be probably 15 years ago. Uh-huh. I did a I did a class on you know classic Hollywood and this was brought up as like one of the pinnacles of classic Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Because um, screwball comedies, I just think when you think Hollywood in the '30s and people falling in love, this is like the best possible way to do it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, this is like um, like screwball comedy is like I would say like the like one of the more like iconic genres from. Uh, from that era because like I guess like when I think of like old movies from this era I just think of like people in like big houses and fancy gowns just like running and tumbling all over the place and you know lots of fast quips you know I took a class as well on old Hollywood and uh, we didn't study this class we studied or we didn't study this film we studied um, Bringing a Baby and um, His Girl Friday like those were like the main um, screwballs comedy that we looked at in the, in the course, but like so I hadn't seen My Man Godfrey um, until uh, like about a year ago. Actually, this is one of those movies I just like kept you know I kept missing when they were streaming somewhere or they're on TV. So um, and yeah, I mean I found it to be every much the classic that I'd heard. Uh, it's one of those movies that you just hear so much about, and. Um, the film stars uh, Carol Lombard and William Powell, as much as some other, you know, kooky actors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what is it about the film that you enjoy the most? And like, like why, like why did you choose it for this podcast episode? Well, I think anytime William Powell is in a movie, my interest is up like a hundred and fifty percent. 
Because to me, he's like the ultimate debonair. Like he's a dreamboat. He's yeah. Very attractive man. <laughs> yeah. Looks great. Sparkling repartee with any actress he's paired with. And like he's what I would aspire to be, right? Yeah. Just always ready with a good quip or a funny reaction and is just the perfect man for his era. Yeah, I mean he definitely has, you know, that look of just like he looks like he was like born in a tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, and like, he's, you know, of course, famous for, like, the Thin Man movies, and I, you know, and that's another character you just said, like, so, like, classic, and, like, I've always thought of him as, like, holding, like, a martini glass, and, you know, in a a fancy... Just like this. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, And so the film stars him and Carol Lombard, and she's also another... Um, you know, very prominent figure in 1930s Hollywood, uh, especially in this genre, probably like one of the most famous comic actors of the time. And they were actually divorced by this point. So I didn't know that. And I read that, um, I read that today. Cause like, I, she, the like Karen Lombard is famous. Well, I mean, she's not famous for this, but like her big, you know, Hollywood romances with Clark Gable. And um, so I didn't know that they were um, that she was married to William Powell, but it seems like it was a short-lived marriage, but a very long friendship after. Yeah, and then he hooks up with uh, Jean Harlow, and then she also because Carol Lombard didn't live that long; she had a pretty sad uh, like yeah. demise. And then Jean Harlow also dies in a pretty horrible way. So that's another thing I think about uh, Powell is like he's kind of a tragic hero in real life, yeah, because his various loves of his life, you know, were robbed from him. Yeah, I mean, Karen Lombard passed away in 1942, just about five mm-hmm. or six years after she made this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe um, her last movie was uh, To Be or Not to Be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Lubitsch film. So yeah, she, uh, which is, I think was released after after she died. But yeah, I mean, like the two of them together just have this um, really sharp you know, banter, uh, uh, repartee. They're so just, you know, with, between his like, um, straight man kind of, uh, deadpan delivery and her just general, like nuttiness. I mean, how she's just like flitting around the room and a lot of the scenes and just talking nonsense. It's just like such a good, um, combination. Uh, would you like to just give like a general synopsis of the film? Sure. Well, uh, William Powell plays uh, Godfrey, who... How much can I spoil here? Should I... Um, you know, I mean, this movie is 80 years old. Going on nine. Old, so go ahead and spoil, yeah. Okay, so um, William Powell uh, meets uh, Carol Lombard when he's living at the dump <laughs> in, <laughs> in New York. And I was wondering if I could ask you, do you recognize the bridge that they're under? Um, is that the Brooklyn Bridge? I don't know the bridges in New York. I don't know either. I am not the person to ask about that because I, yeah, I don't, I couldn't recognize it. I mean, I'm sure it was a set, so, you know, it didn't. Where do you think the dump would have been? <laughs> um, well, they were near, okay, so they were near the um, Waldorf Ritz Hotel, which is a fake hotel, but obviously based off the Waldorf Astoria. Yeah. Which is um, in. That's in Manhattan? Like in, like, yeah, in Manhattan, in, um, like, Midtown, like, near Central Park. But I don't know any 
Yeah, I I don't know. Mm. Um, listeners who are more well versed, because like I live in New York, but I don't drive here, so mm. like you know, I don't really know like where the bridges are. But and I have no idea. I'm from Canada, yeah. <laughs> right? So <laughs> no clue. But anyway, uh, yeah. um, so Godfrey is living at the dump, and uh, Carol Lombard and her sister, who is played by Gail Patrick, uh, come to the dump as part of a scavenger hunt, which they mention a few times, almost like it's a brand new thing. So it might have been. Yeah. And she, one of, yeah, she explains it as like oh, it's a really like really funny line where she's like a scav- like a treasure hunt is when you're looking for something you want. Yeah, a scavenger hunt is something where you're looking for something no one wants. And yeah. she's like, and I'm looking for you. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things they need for this scavenger hunt, they, actually the Criterion has the whole list of stuff that they're looking for, which I thought was a fun little uh, yeah. bit. But one of the things they're looking for is a forgotten man, in scare quotes, a.k.a. a homeless guy, a hobo, you know, yeah. someone who, you know, rich people would generally not interact with. and. Uh, Lombard and uh, Patrick's family is extremely rich, stupid rich, basically. And they are society debutantes who get drunk and party all night and do ridiculous things. So they bring – well, after after Powell gets uh, annoyed at Patrick for basically calling him a hobo and saying, like, you're useless, no one wants you, he pushes her into a pile of ashes. Um, Lombard talks to him, and they kind of hit it off, right? Like, I I would say right from the beginning, she's kind of falling for him already, and Powell's just like, okay, well, I'll I'll see where this goes. Like, their meet-cute is within, like, the first minute of the movie, basically. But she takes him to the uh, plaza, to the hotel, and demonstrates him. And he kind of goes off in a little speech saying, well, I only came here because I wanted to see what a bunch of nitwits look like. And now that I know this, I'm going to go back to the dump where, like, decent people live. Um, But he gets a job working at this family's house as their butler. Essentially because Carol Lombard's like, look, we're not actually that bad, and I really like you. I Obviously, I'm falling in love with you right away. So why don't you come work with my family? We could give you a job, and we, our butlers quit every day, basically, because we're crazy. So he does move into their house and become their butler, and along the way, basically sees this family, which is barely holding together. They're, each member of the family is kind of crazy in their own way, and he essentially just makes their lives better, right? Mm-hmm. He's like Paddington. Yeah. Paddington yeah, Street in Paddington. London, like he's he yeah. just shows up and makes things better for everybody. And you know, Lombard and him eventually get together, but there's some trials and tribulations along the way. Uh, my favorite bit character in this is Carlo. Do you remember Carlo? Yeah, the, the protege. Yeah. <laughs> so the mother of the house has Carlo as the protege, who appears to spend most of his time eating, but he's supposedly some sort of piano guy, and. Like, he has the best lines of just like, oh, money, oh, so, so awful. Why, why can't we live without this? But he's obviously taking this family for all they're worth. And Godfrey has a bit of a different uh, strategy up his sleeve. And, you know, he's got some other things in mind for this family. And I don't want to ruin what it is, but, like, there's some pretty good reveals by the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, so... Okay, I was looking at the um, Wikipedia page, and it's the 59th Street Bridge, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, which makes sense for because I think 
the hotel actually might be based off the Plaza Hotel, which is right okay. near there. Um, and yeah, because they're in they're in Hooverville, which is kind of like a shanty town. Yeah, in in that time period in that neighborhood. So, um, yeah. So where I mean, does that bridge go? It's connected to Manhattan, it, but what's, yeah, actually, what's on his side? Um, is that well, Brooklyn? No, it's actually embarrassing because it's like Queens, which is where I oh. live. <laughs> oh, so you live at the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I should have known that that's what the bridge is because I technically cross it every day on the subway, except I'm underground <laughs> or underwater, I guess. My Godfrey lives around your place. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, we can... First, I, I want to talk a little about this, like, scavenger hunt, because, um, you know, as... It's, what's interesting to me about it is just, like, this idea of these, like, rich people, like, using these, like, poor people as, like, props. And just, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's almost dehumanizing and how... Like they're just—it's incredibly dehumanized. Because like, um, like the whole point is to bring them to like essentially like gawk at them or something. And she has the line where she's saying that like she'll get the prize, but the prize is money. But the money goes to charity. But there isn't any money anywhere. Um, So it's like really these people are just not even doing anything substantial to help the homeless or these forgotten men. So it's just like, um, I mean, to me, this movie like reflects the sort of political thing of, you know, these like rich airheads essentially are like need to like learn a lesson from, um, from the poor people about like what it's like to be, you know, human and not so like, um, well, I don't think that he, like makes them feel bad about being rich. I mean, it's an American movie. They're only going to go so far right, in the right. social commentary. Like, yeah. it's still fine that they're rich, but like, it's more like they should be less stupid about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, have some propriety, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely a cutting social commentary because to the rich people. He's essentially the same thing as a teapot or a monkey or some other weird thing. And they literally do not even understand his world at all. Right. They have no no clue that the Depression is even happening. Yeah. And, I mean, I I feel like a lot of these comedies from that era, like, have this sort of undercurrent about, you know, the sort of social economic class because – I mean, a lot of these deal with, you know, like, obscenely wealthy people, and and they're often treated as, like, buffoons. Like, not evil. Like, I feel like, a, like rich people nowadays in movies, I think, are treated as evil for the most part, or at least, you know, lacking in compassion. But in this film, they're mostly just, you know, they're screwball. Like, they're just, like, idiots. Yeah. And they have to be brought down back to Earth. They're like and Jane Austen characters or something. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they're, they're super wealthy, but they're just divorced from the common man. And if you can kind of make them realize a little bit more about what's going on, they're, they're okay deep down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, so uh, what would you say are like some of your favorite, um, favorite moments from the film, like our favorite lines or anything that like really jumps out to you every time you watch it? Well, um, Carol Lombard gets the suspicion after this kind of 
tea party slash bridge night that they have that yeah. Godfrey has a wife and five kids. There's some racism there too uh, during that scene because there's a guy who knows Godfrey and says, oh yeah, he was married to an Indian woman. And it's like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> Pump the brakes on that. Yeah. Uh, 1930... Uh, 1936 is not ready for this conversation because <laughs> they're going to screw it up entirely. Yeah. But like she, she thinks that he's already in love with someone else. So the next day she's wearing all black and like moping around the house. And someone asks her like, oh, do you want some food? And she says, what is food? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, life is but an empty bubble. That's, that is great. Yeah. Um, the uh, Carlo, the uh, protege of the mother, uh, at one point she wants to cheer Carol Lombard up. So Carol, uh, so Carlo does his monkey act, where he basically jumps around and throws things and pretends he's a monkey and climbs on the walls. And I thought it was funny. Carol Lombard didn't, but I thought, yeah. Uh, but actually, one of the things I really appreciate about this movie is um, Gail Patrick's character because Carol Lombard. Her character, I think you could probably say, is kind of stupid, right? Yeah. Like, she, she's a rich person in a 30s movie. She's she's out of it. She's got a good heart, but, like, she doesn't really understand. She'll never understand Godfrey, probably. And he'll he'll essentially just put up with her. Like, they get together, but she's just a nice person. Yeah. Whereas Gail Patrick's character, she's kind of the bossy older sister. Yeah. And she sees through, right through Godfrey right away. And if they were to get together, it would be a meeting of the minds, basically, because she's actually smart. She knows that she's being a rich asshole just for fun. And, like, she tries to frame him for some things. And I I always felt that, like, actually they might be the better match. Oh, really? Interesting. Like, Carol Lombard's character, wonderful person, fun to be around. But Gail Patrick's, it's almost more of an equal. Yeah. But I like I, I do love the love affair between uh, you know Lombard and Powell. But I thought that was an interesting undercurrent to it, right? Uh, in the end, when uh, Godfrey is essentially you know like making his speech to the family members about you know everything that he has picked up from them, um, Karen Lombard isn't in that scene, I don't think, and he kind of he gives this very. Um, uh, very direct and, um, you know, uh, forthright speech to Cornelia, Gail Patrick's character, about, you know, how she, she can use her, um, you know, her, her attributes, her character attributes for good instead of being this sort of, like, bitchy rich lady. Mm-hmm. And to me, that felt like they, they definitely did have, like, much more of a... Um, interesting. Now, I don't want to say interesting, but definitely much more like, uh, dif- like a just a different dynamic because, you know, they're kind like she sp- essentially spends the entire movie trying to get him fired because she suspects him, and they like he has a scene at the um, at the restaurant where he basically dresses her down mm-hmm. and calls her out, and um, she has this expression on her face which is basically like, you're right, but technically I need to look down on you, so I'm not going to listen to you. Well, it's like no one's ever said anything <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really, um, yeah, I really appreciated their dynamic, and I had re- I, I had remembered it, um, but I, this time around it really struck out to me, and I like, I, th- I definitely agree with you that they had, I think, a more... Um, 
a more like caustic like relationship with uh, there was definitely some chemistry there but um yeah but I, I also feel like the love story between you know um between Irene which is um Kyle Lombard and Godfrey is such a um also a very unique kind of relationship because essentially from the first minute she sees him she's pursuing him pretty hard yeah. and like she kisses him pretty early on in the film and is very just steadfast and you know this is the man that I I mean I I don't think she admits it as quickly as you know she feels it but definitely she is pursuing him and I, I, which is not, I mean you just don't really see women pursuing men like that in yeah. movies anymore she's made up her mind yeah within two minutes of seeing him and it takes yeah. him a bit longer to catch on but like i think he likes her right away too yeah it, it's the difference between if we want to go back to jane austen it's the difference between godfrey getting with uh cordelia would be like uh darcy and elizabeth whereas um godfrey and irene is more just like um jane and uh Oh, is it Bingley she hooks up with? Yeah. Just like the just like the nice guy, right? Right. They're, they're just two people who get along, whereas I feel that Godfrey and Cordelia would be more like, um, not equals, but people who understand the other one's bullshit, and it would be maybe more of a tempestu- tempestuous life. Yeah. But it's potentially more honest. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I love both of the central relationships already, so yeah. I've just kind of you know, fantasy casting now. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I definitely I can see that. Um, and, uh, I mean, one thing that was very interesting about this movie is like, um, it's kind of a, you know, I mean, she is like an employer essentially hitting on her employee. It's true. Yeah. He would have a good, like sort of sexual harassment yeah. claim if he wanted to go for it. And like, I, I mean, you would definitely not see that, um, in, in the reverse, like uh, like with the genders, um, well, you might, but like it wouldn't be like um, it wouldn't be so overt. Like Made in yeah, Manhattan, for instance, right, exactly. They're kind of flirting around a bit more rather than her just jumping on him. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like quote unquote okay or allowed because she's such a nutty character, and mm-hmm. I mean, Carol Lombard just has this like inherent, um, just like sweetness to her. Mm-hmm. that, you know, it doesn't ever feel predatory. Well, sometimes in Screwball, I find that the main relationship ends up being a bit paternalistic. Yeah. Like, um, oh, what am I thinking of? It happened one night, maybe. I think, like, it's not uncommon for the lead actress to get spanked by the uh, no. uh, hero. Like, no, no, it's just yeah. like, yeah, it, most of the time it's like he's the adult and she's a child who needs to get disciplined. Yeah. Whereas at this, I mean, I don't think Godfrey would lay a hand on her ever. Like no. he's, he's just too nice to do that too level headed a person, but it doesn't have that paternalistic instinct behind it. I don't think. Yeah. So that, that's, that's nice for screwball. Cause sometimes that happens. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing about screwball comedy is like always, you know, rub me a little the wrong way is that there's, you know, usually there is the element of like, the man has to bring the woman down to earth. Um, which is like, in this movie as well, I think to a less extent than something like, um, you know, It Happened One Night, which is like a classic, but also can feel a little icky if you aren't on its wavelength. 
Mm-hmm. And, but I think in this movie, it's a little... Because, like, at the end, she's not some, like, demure, you know, like, um, you know, quite young woman, like how mm-hmm. Claudette Colbert is at the end of It Happened One Night. I she doesn't it, get tamed by him. Right, exactly. Like, she's, like, at the end, essentially, like... I mean, she has that great line, which is, like, everyone knows about this except for Godfrey. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like, she's essentially planning their marriage, and he's just, like, along for the ride. So it's not like she's going to change completely for him. Like, she's essentially her same self. He's just, you know, accepting it more and going along Mm -hmm. with it. He's the one who changes over the course of it. So, like... I guess we could spoil the movie's 80 years old, sure, but he's actually yeah. rich, too. Yeah. And he was depressed, and he wanted to kill himself. He wanted to jump into the river, but he meets these homeless guys and says, you know what? If I'm going to kill myself over my sad life, look at these guys. They have nothing, and they're still plugging away at it, so yeah. maybe I should be more like them. So he learns from the guys at the dump that, like, you know, you got to keep living, and then essentially Irene gives him a reason to keep living. Yeah. Rather than just survival, right? Yeah, I mean, he definitely, yeah, I think he, I mean, as he says at the end, like, I think he has, um, he just has learned from this family just as much as he's trying to, like, change them for the better. I just, I mean, I just love their dynamic. I mean, he does, he does kind of manhandle her a little at the end when, you know, she faints and he carries her to, um, upstairs to her shower and turns the water on her. But it doesn't seem, I don't, it didn't really gross me out the way that it might have in different, with a different tone because, like, I don't know, like, he just seems like the, he seems like a really just, like, nice, pleasant guy. Like, he doesn't seem like he, like you were saying, he would never, like, harm her in a way in sort of that like condescending you know early hollywood way well i think it's him seeing like she's fainted on her couch in her room and he's helping her out but then in the mirror he could see that she's like watching him and he's like oh well she's trying to trick me i'll trick her back yeah it's it's more of an interplay between the two of them rather than him being like well i'm the man in this relationship i'm gonna i'm gonna sort this uh this woman's hash and I mean, like one of my favorite scenes is when they're washing dishes together and just like um, talking, and it's just like you just love to see the chemistry play out. You can totally see why she's in love with him and why he's falling for her as well. And like, um, just I don't know, it's just a really sweet, funny, funny scene. So there's just like, you know, like the moment when he's like carrying her and they're kind of yeah, like you were saying. Um, like tricking each other i guess like it just works so well because they just have this like really electric chemistry Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's no in no way malicious yeah it's 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 just sort of fun tricks that you would have with a partner good morning i brought you breakfast are you the new butler don't you remember last night well well what happened to godfrey i'm godfrey Oh, you look so different. What happened to those nice whiskers? Turn around and let me look at you. You're the cutest thing I've ever seen. Thank you. Will there be anything else? Yes, sit down and talk to me. I like to talk in the morning when your head is clear, especially if you've been somewhere the night before. Now, don't you think it would be better if I talked standing? No, because if you're uncomfortable, I'll get uncomfortable and forget what I have to say. You insist. But it doesn't seem very good form for a butler. Oh, you're more than a butler. You're the first protege I ever had. Protege? You know, like Carlo. 
Uh, who is Carlo? His mother's protege. Oh. You know, it's awfully nice, Carlo, having a sponsor, because then he doesn't have to work, and he gets more time for his practicing. But then he never does, and that makes a difference. Uh, yes, I imagine. Do you would. play anything, Godfrey? Oh, I don't mean games and things like that. I mean the piano and things like that. Well, I... Oh, it doesn't uh, really make any difference. I just thought I'd ask. It's funny how some things make you think of other things. It's very peculiar. <laughs> it makes me feel so matured and grown up. Uh, what does? Having a protege. You're the first one I ever had. You've never had any other? No, you're the first one, and it's terribly thrilling. Not only does it occupy my mind, but I think it's character building, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what does a protege have to do? Well, you just go on buttling, and I sponsor you, don't you see? It's getting clearer. It's really not much work. It gives you something to think of, and it's going to be such fun. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be heaps of fun. You see, for instance, if Cornelia got to meet or anything, you wouldn't have to do anything about it. You see, I take care of everything. You see, I'm your sponsor, and I just take a sock at her. <laughs> I hope that'll never be necessary. Oh, I just wanted to give you the idea. Well, that's fine, but you see, a protege has certain responsibilities also. For instance, if someone should ring for me now and I didn't answer, that would reflect upon you because you're my sponsor. Don't you see? Yes, I suppose I would. I never thought of that. You don't know how nice it is having some intelligent person to talk to. Uh, it's been very enlightening to me, too. Oh, I just thought of something else. Do you know what you are? I'm not quite sure. You're my responsibility. That's very nice. See you in church. Like, what do you think about the um, like the supporting cast? I mean, we talked about Gail Patrick, who I think is pretty fantastic, but... Um, what about um, the actress who plays um, the mother? Uh, That's uh, Alice Brady, I think. Yeah, Alice Brady, yeah. I think that she's fantastic. I mean, I think every member of the cast is fantastic, but her, and I don't know, I think she's interesting because she could selectively not be hearing things or yeah. just not uh, hearing things, understanding them. Like, yeah. She basically looks on the bright side of every situation, even if someone, you know, is mistaken she says oh yeah yeah godfrey said that yeah. like she's unerringly kind of cheerful all the time even though she is in a house full of maniacs basically <laughs> but she just is willing to go along with it yeah i mean she has that like um she kind of reminded me of um i don't know if you watched the golden girls but like rose and island like that kind oh, of yeah. just, like like just like naivete and just like not fully comprehending what's happening, but you know, just rolling like rolling with it, and she or just not caring about it either. Caring, like she, yeah, she might just be like, "Oh yeah, well they're making fun of me, but yeah. my life is awesome. Why would I care?" Yeah, um, she has a great line about the pixies where she's like, yeah. "I don't like the pixies, but I don't want them stepped on." Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. like, I don't know, very very cute. Yeah, I love. I mean, she was so great. I mean, she was nominated for an Academy Award as well. Um, and definitely just, like, a really strong comic performance. I mean, she just has, like, really great delivery. And, um, of course, like, uh, all these actors' names are, uh, escaping my mind. But the actor who plays, um, the father, his name is, uh... I think that's Eugene Paulette. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, also really great. And just, ha- I mean, just, like... Um, he just has this, like, that look, you know? Yeah. Of, like, like an old, like, kind of fat cat rich guy who's just, like, just so prideful. His best scene is when Godfrey's bringing in a tray of martinis. Uh-huh, yeah. And the family's just acting like assholes, and the dad just picks up the tray like, uh, well, be back in half an hour. I'll need another one of these. Like, oh, <laughs> classic. That's, that's your Thin Man reference right there. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, movies from the 30s just understand drinking so well. Yeah. I think no one is able to get that kind of, you know, cocktails and witty repartee done anymore. Like, it just doesn't work. But in the 30s, it was kind of like prohibition was still on. So, right? Prohibition was on, uh, or it had yeah. just stopped. Or, yeah. It, it, it had stopped by 29 or so. Yeah, I think so 29. America was getting back into, you know, recreational drinking. But it was sort of like, here's an ultimate fantasy. That's one of the things about the Thin Man movies yeah, is that, yeah. you know, you could pound martinis all day long, have repartee with your wife and solve a mystery. Like, that's that's a wonderful life. Who wouldn't want that? And in this, yeah. there's like, you know, martinis and it it just shows kind of what you would uh, – what you think you are when you drank three martinis as opposed to the reality of slurring your words. I was just going to say, like, what I, what I find so, like, charming about the drinking culture in, in this era is that um, everyone seems to be getting, like, just, like, the right kind of drunk, right? Like, yeah. goofy and playful and funny, but not, like, depressed or angry or, you know, like, no one's, like, getting drunk and, like, throwing glasses. Yeah. Or if they do, it's, like, in a funny way, not, like, you know... Yeah, um, not they hadn't gone way. to. Ki- it's not kitchen sink realism yet. Right. It's just sort of like, oh, a martini makes you just like twice as funny. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I think like William Powell is just like the, um, just like the pinnacle of that. I mean, you were saying, I believe it was like off mic that he's one of your um, one of your favorites. Just like um, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but like, what are some other like? What are some other films of his that you really enjoy, or um, just like what, like what about him is so you know appealing to you? Um, sure. Well, star? well, I mean, um, so the Thin Man movies are his kind of claim to fame, apart from My Man Godfrey these mm-hmm. days, I think. And to me, those movies, which are about a pair of you know, again, New York society types who drink all day long and yeah. solve mysteries. And to me, it's the best depiction of a marriage of equals that I've seen in a Hollywood film or possibly any film. Yeah. Because it's another situation where he's kind of the, the wiseacre, smart guy and his wife seems like kind of a flibberty gibbet, rich, you know, airhead. But in fact, she's also pretty clever and it, it's almost like they just solve mysteries to have something to do as a couple and just as like an outing that they do because they like each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's so few movies where there's like, here's a healthy relationship where these two people love each other and it's not the story of how they got together. It's just a continued relationship of equals. In the So I've only seen the first uh, Thin Man film, but is there any like marital discord at all or is it just like they're just always on the same page and they basically are yeah they have a kid played by a young dean stockwell of all people he plays their child and they go back to the dry county where nick charles is from at some point so there's some strife there because they can't drink anymore but they're always just depicted as people who really really love each other and you they, they might play a prank on each other now and then but it's always just like to show that they still love each other as opposed yeah. to anything malicious. And really, you're just there to hear them, you know, uh, gas on about each other and, you know, have a good time. The murder is, you know, incidental. Secondary, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I just like, I, I just find him so 
um, just easy to watch, and not just because he's handsome, which we he's all, a dreamboat. We all know that he is, yeah. But like, he just has this like um, he's very disarming. I guess that would be mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. Like, he just has that thing, and it's um, it's easy to see how. Carol Lombard just like falls in love with him almost at first sight and is so invested in this relationship that she's in mourning when she realizes he might be unavailable. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he even yeah. looks better as a hobo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely has that like scruff look to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's too bad that he has to shave. <laughs> Yeah, to be a butler. Yeah, I know. Um, and, he's he's yeah. just like the picture of like debonair. Always has the right like quip to say. Yeah, has a good heart. Like you can always tell that like he's deep down a good guy. He's not going to cheat on anybody. He might you know resort to some fisticuffs in the uh, Thin Man movies, but like he's always in the right. Yeah. Yeah. And even if he's in the wrong, like he underestimates his wife or something, or if he underestimates uh, Carol Lombard's determination to get him or something, he's never like – he's never mean it. about it. Yeah. yeah. He's always just like, oh, this person I like, she's even better than I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like that's just like – again, it's a quality that I feel like is like missing in comedies these days of just – like a, a movie like this has that banter, it has that thing, like of people like sniping at each other, but um, it doesn't feel like mean spirited, which I think it might be now because of just the way the comedy has evolved. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I mean, like I just was watching um, a uh, a movie with uh, Gene Arthur and Joel McRae, mm-hmm. and um, again, it's just like. It's, there's just that like quality of just like you know seem like nice people just like bantering and figuring it out and then they get together and everything's happy. It was um the more the merrier. I don't know if you've seen yeah. that. I've heard um, of it. Yeah, I mean it's a really good good movie. Uh, streaming on the Criterion Channel if anyone has it. Well, I think in the yeah. '30s, like it wasn't postmodern yet in movies, yeah. and it wasn't. Like, you could just take it face value. Like, this guy, he's a good guy. Yeah. And also, you don't really need to know any sort of backstory on somebody. Like, you get a little bit on Godfrey in this one. But really, yeah. like, he's more of a a symbol mm-hmm. than, like, a, a fleshed-out character. And I, I'm fine with that. I, I don't think I need to know anything about these people's inner monologues. I just want to see them wear nice clothes and flirt yeah, and have a good time. I don't know if I need anything more than that. But now everything's so referential and winking at the camera that I don't know if you could do that and have anyone believe it. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think it's... Um, yeah, I, I think it's... Outside of Hindi cinema, <laughs> yeah. which I think does still do romantic comedies really well and can just have a uniquely like good person like these people in a movie. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's that whole thing of um, just having like comedy come from characters just like bouncing off each other in a... Um, I don't want to say outlandish, but definitely like a semi-high concept. You know, like here where he's like pretending to be the butler and, you know, doling out, you know, life lessons to this like idiotic family. 
Um, but even then, like, every character is just so well-defined, even down to, like, his um, old colleague from Boston that he runs into, or old friend from Boston. It's like everyone just has the... Um, everyone has their, like, angle. You know, the the protege is, like, fleecing their money and has, you know, and Cornelia is, you know, very haughty and... Um, you know, Irene is very crazy, and everyone just has their thing, and just like just watching them bounce off each other, mm-hmm. and like that, that's such a great, that's like a, one of my favorite qualities about screwball, um, screwball comedy is just like how easily everyone just you know meshes together, and everyone just kind of um, plays off each other so well. Um, what are some of your favorites in the um, in the genre? Uh, well. The Philadelphia story, yeah. I think, is great. And it's another one where, like, uh, that's Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Hepburn, She's yeah. also not, like, tamed by the main characters. But, like, she kind of comes to her own realization and then just makes her own choice at the end. Yeah. I really like that. That was really good. And, um, obviously, the Thin Man movies, love those. Uh, I, I've basically enjoyed every screwball comedy I've seen. Yeah. It's just... Not always does the the way the relationship ends up. It almost doesn't feel like it's made to last a lot of the time. But mm-hmm. for the time and place, you're just like, yeah, I can see these people getting together. I I enjoyed watching them. I just don't want to think about it outside of the reality of the of the movie because like it's it's kind of a gossamer sort of uh, film genre. You could pick away at it, and yeah, it is ridiculous that he's a butler now. But if you could go along with it, then you're having a great time. Yeah. Could you expand more about like no not thinking that the couples could last? Well, I mean, in the thirties, I think your average audience member. They would know, like, yes, this is a movie, it's fake, Yeah. but also they're not so cynical about it. Right. I mean, you look at noir movies in the 40s and everyone is deeply cynical. Yeah. And hard-boiled books in the 20s and 30s, very, very cynical. But in a mainstream Hollywood romantic comedy, I think that audiences were just able to distract themselves like it was it was a way to get away from the real world right yeah because it was during the great depression and you just want to believe in this fantasy that perfect people can get together yeah and i mean we might be headed towards another great depression here right away but uh i i I just really like that that era was so willing to go with movies and go with art and say like yes we all know that this is not real but it's real in that you're watching beautiful people do impossible things, which is my my go-to phrase for why I like movies. Yeah, I mean, um, I I mean, I, I totally can see that, and I that's why I really like old movies, and um, especially movies from like this era and like through the 1950s, because I think you know nowadays um, audiences expect more you know realism. Quote unquote. You know, yeah, exactly. And you know, when movies are more like um more obvious in how they're you know, tricks, it's Mm -hmm. people can turn against that, which is fine. I think that's a valid thing. And for sure some movies are benefit from being, you know, more quote unquote realistic or naturalistic, I guess. But I think like you know, I like how these movies can just exist in 
you know, the fantasy of the screen, right? And it's like, you can watch it and enjoy without thinking, like, how much it can be, you know, close to uh, real life. But do you think that, like, um, screwball can, like, come back? Or, like, that kind of feeling can come back? I think it could. Yeah. Um, I think... If he if he wanted to put his mind to it, someone like Karen Johar mm-hmm. could do an amazing screwball comedy because yeah. he's already got like rich people doing silly things down. He is yeah. a master of that. He would just need to get the comic timing of someone like uh, I'm thinking of possibly Sri Ram Raghavan, someone like that who is able sure. to get witty yeah. repartee and you know. Off, offbeat situations. I think that Hindi cinema is the place where you could have sort of classic Hollywood styles come back. And they yeah. do do it fairly often. Yeah, yeah. There's so many good rom-coms that comes out of uh, Hindi cinema every year. Yeah, And I think Superball is one that they could potentially bring back. I, there's one I'm thinking of recently that was kind of like that. Oh, uh, Jab We Met. Jab We Met's kind of a, oh, definitely, uh, yeah. a screwball comedy. And that works really well. And it's actually similar to this in that the, the main male character is kind of depressed and he meets a dizzy female who yeah. kind of makes well, him change. Well, that's definitely comedy. like a, a send-up of it happened one night, right? Like it's that yeah. same kind of premise. So I think like, yeah, I mean, I would love to see more modern movies. Maybe not like remake this, but like um, take take inspiration from it and kind of rework the premise um nowadays i mean the thing is like i just like actually last night i watched what's up doc you know with barbara Streisand, yeah um which is kind of an unofficial remake of bringing up baby and i was just thinking i mean that that was that film was able to easily transplant the like 1930s premise and character types and archetypes into the 70s that i'm like i was wondering like you know we can we can do it again. I think it just takes maybe some, you know, creativity and stuff. Because I would love to see, um, you know, movies like like this come back. I think there's this like there's value to them, even if they might be like these escapist, um, you know, fantasies. But I don't. know. I just like really. Um, I think just because like maybe we're like we're as you were saying we're going through something very, you know, scary economically. Yeah, um, and we need a fantasy. Yeah, exactly. I think like once you know, if movie theaters ever come back, which I hope they do, and I'm sure they will, but you know, I hope the movies that come out of this aren't like gritty, realistic things about you know uh, <laughs> the crisis, but more just like things that we can you know, use to take our minds out. I mean, there's room for both, but there's I'd lots wanna... of silly rich people out there. Yeah, and you know, enterprising, um, you know. Tricksters with a heart of gold should start sneaking in there and yeah. uh, romancing them and making them better people. Right? Are, are we too cynical about rich people, though? You know, because you got to be rich for a screwball, right? Like, yeah, there's no way question. you can do a screwball comedy without lots of wealth, because essentially you need to have a perfect romantic pairing where you don't need to care about economic circumstances. Yeah, there should never be a power imbalance. Uh, that's a great question because, like, um. I just like uh, I recently watched um, a film where from from the 1950s where it was a um, uh, it was Roman Holiday mm-hmm. and um, you know I was wondering if you know we could see a movie that kind of takes 
uh, a sympathetic and empathetic look at you know a, a you know a princess kind of wanting her freedom. And I was thinking like wondering if that could work um, because or work now because I think that we're all just so yeah. I mean. I mean, as we like, as we've been seeing, like, anytime any celebrities releases content about during this time, there's always a chorus of people who are like criticizing it or making fun of it. And I just don't think that um, we have that kind of uh, need for you know escaping into the rich. Also, because maybe because we have too much access to these people's daily lives, that it's not yeah. something we can just want. We wouldn't want to escape into. You know, like, you know, like a, a social social media influencer or like a, a singer or whatever, is because we see them all the time. That there's not that element of uh, mystery, I guess. I think I think people would watch a romantic comedy with Chris Evans. He seems to be the celebrity that generally everyone likes. Yeah, and he's not he's not doing, you know. Oh, here's my plague diary today. I'm so sad in my house. It's more like, oh, my dog wants to hang out. Like that's yeah. relatable. Yeah, I guess it would. Like, I think that's a great point because I think it would have to rely. It would have to depend on who the actors are because there's people that generally people like. Like, I could see like Chris Evans and Anne Hathaway are like two actors good at comedy. Everyone seems to like them. Like they mm-hmm. have like old Hollywood charm and stuff. They're pretty. They're like traditional movie stars. I th- I think they could make it make it work, or um, you know, some or even someone like um, you know, like a Lupita Nyong'o or or someone that's just like, yeah, it ha- it has to be a celebrity that people like because I think we can accept that, but not too overplayed. Not too overplayed. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was thinking about uh, La La Land actually. Oh, okay, yeah, which tries to do kind of a 30s sort of romantic thing but also tried to set it in reality sometimes like half half of the time there's big musical numbers happening and half the time you're seeing a shitty LA apartment yeah and it needed to lean more on either one but that's one where two celebrities that most people seem to like it just didn't click for people yeah i mean you know, La Land did make four hundred million dollars. Oh yeah, that's true worldwide. So I think, like, I, I mean, I definitely see what you're saying because you know, one thing that I like, I'm a you know, I'm a La Land guy. Like, I really love the movie, but I think it was not enough of a musical. I think it needed like one more musical number mm-hmm. um, because you know, there is that section in the film that I appreciate, but you know, it becomes more of a like realistic relationship, you know, drama, and I think. It's well done, but you know, the way that the movie was um, was like marketed was this sort of like big old Hollywood, you know, nineteen, you know, nineteen thirties, forties, like musical, and like um, you know, like they they took inspiration from like Vincent Minnelli and Stanley Donen and stuff like that. And I, you know, as someone who like loves that, I wanted more of that from the movie. So I definitely, but I definitely is like that's definitely a step in the right direction, and we also like want to like I want to see more of these, you know, like old school, like old old fashioned, like Hollywood, like star pairing, like mm-hmm. you know Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone should make as many movies together as they can because they they have that like 
you know, Myrna Loy, William Powell thing, or that Clark yeah. Gable, Carol Lombard thing, where you just want to see them, or he's like even like the Hepburn and Tracy, you just want to see them over and over because that that like establishes that like myth of like the movie stars because we're like, oh, now they're yeah. doing like. Like, what are they doing? To, you know, I always think about, like, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, how they did so many different types of movies together. You yeah. Know, they did romantic comedies. They did, you know, Guess, Who Comes, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. They did one film that was a, like, a noir, or like a mystery, a Keeper of the Flame, I think. So, mm. like, they did several types of stuff together, and I just, like... You know, with, like, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, they did, you know, La La Land, of course, they did Crazy Stupid Love, they did that gangster movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I mean, definitely you, I think that if, like, more actors can just, like, work with the actors they like and that we like seeing them with, um, it could then also then establish that goodwill to make a movie that's kind of sympathetic in this in the way that, like, a 1930s kind of wealth-class screwball comedy was. Well, and if you're suggesting re- reestablishing the Hollywood star system, I'm all for it because <laughs> I, I, I think we should bring that back because Hollywood doesn't have movie stars anymore, really. Yeah, yeah. They have people who are in franchises and like Captain America is a movie star, but I think Chris Evans is slowly getting out of that and being, you know, in Knives Out and Snowpiercer. Yeah. He's able to have different sorts of roles, but a lot of people either are not famous or are locked into big things like that. Yeah, yeah. If you were able to have, you know, a Jody of two actors who we like in different situations, you would be able to kind of resurrect that. And you're just going to see movies because you like that pairing rather than you like that, you know, comic book. Right, yeah. And the thing is that, I mean, you know, um, yeah, because a lot of these, like, quote unquote movie stars now, like, can they actually open a movie without the IP behind them? You know, like, poor Chris Hemsworth, I think he's great, but, like, I don't think he's made a successful movie outside of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think if he were to, like, um, you know, like, he and Tessa Thompson, I thought, were pretty great in, you know, Thor and also Men in Black. And so I think that, I mean, Men in Black didn't do well, but, you know, if they wanted to continue working together, I think then their their working together would be a, a you know a draw even if separately they're not a draw if that makes sense yeah it's it's tough to get people and hopefully once people are able to go back to movies again we're yeah. just going to be excited to see movie stars right yeah yeah and you could conceivably open a film based on that i think uh going back to chris evans knives out did really well on just being based on having to see all these stars. Like, we like seeing all these people. The mystery is kind of incidental. And I would love it if Hollywood went back to that. Yeah. Something Hindi... I don't want to harp about it, but Hindi cinema does that perfectly. Yeah. I'll go see any Arish Mankarana film coming up, because I just like him, and I like him in various pairings. Right. Yeah, and, like, I mean, Knives Out is a great example, because that is also a throwback, in a sense, because it, it has that, like, 70s, you know, murder mystery thing, or 60s, 70s murder mystery, but it's not based on anything, so it's just, like, um, you're kind of just planting all these, like, movie stars, and, and maybe they're not even movie stars, but just, like, people you recognize, mm-hmm. and putting them all together in a movie that feels like an old-fashioned Hollywood movie for, you know, adults, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then, of course, 
I mean, with that movie as well, like, Ryan Johnson, I think, is a name because he did Star Wars. And yeah. I think he's not, like, his name became known from Star Wars just because of the, that movie's reaction, but or the reaction to that movie. But yeah, It, it is mean, the case where people went to go see it because of the director. Yeah. But, but most of his work good. is his work is throwbacks. Like, yeah. Brick is a, you know, 30s hard-boiled. Yeah. And The Brothers Bloom's like a heist movie. Yeah. The Last Jedi is a throwback to some film series from the 70s. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Star Wars. But, like, oh, <laughs> it's, okay, it's a remake yeah. of one of those, those oh, old wow, movies. Wow. And then uh, Knives Out is, you know, doing... The Christie um, uh, Poirot thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of made his career on redoing stuff like that. So yeah. maybe that's the way you need to have auteur directors who are able to put together these sort of yeah. projects. Yeah. Which also bring up Baby, right? Because that was Bogdanovich, right? right. No, not, not bring up uh, What's Up Doc. What's Up Doc, yeah. That's Bogdanovich, who's a big fan of 30s stuff and yeah. is able to use his uh, sway to just make another one. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, um, I'm really curious to see, you know, um, how like how movie culture changes from this because i i mean i know a lot of people are saying that like oh we're just gonna get too used to streaming but i i guess optimistically i'm thinking i'm hoping that like once we're able to like go outside and be in large gatherings i think there's gonna have to be a little bit of grace period because like people are gonna be slow to get back to normal but i think like you know let's say six months to a year when we're like you know back to normal you know, um, I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I think you're right that people will want to go see movies again. I think they'll want movie stars because, you know, like, it's just more comforting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I guess. I mean, I know, just so much speculation, I guess. It's hard to say what will happen, but... Yeah, we're right in the middle of it right yeah, now. But, yeah. like, I, you know... I, I just want to be able to forget what's happening. And I think that's yeah. what people were doing in the 30s, too. Yeah, definitely. I think just yeah, we're escaping. Definitely in, we're, yeah, we're definitely in that kind of mode now. And um, I don't think yeah. Netflix romantic com- comedies are going to cut it. You know, the, the, the thing is, like, I don't think so either because, uh, I mean, we can go into a whole thing about Netflix, but I just don't think that Netflix can, or streaming in general, could replace the theater because I think people still think of it as like half watching, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's something um, to do while you're looking at your phone. Yeah, exactly. And I think that people will want to, I mean, I can already kind of tell because like, you know, we're, everyone's kind of itching to go out and do things. Even someone like me who is like a homebody, I'm like, I cannot wait to like go out to dinner or go out to, you know, a bar or whatever, which is stuff I'd never like to do before. But so I think people will want to like be able to and you know put away their phones because it's all we're looking at now, looking at you know the news and the numbers. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> there's going to be a movie. I think it's going to be a surprise. Comes out in December or something, and it's just absolutely going to dominate. Like people are just going to be happy to be out of the house, seeing big people on a screen do yeah. something that isn't what we've been doing for months. Yeah, and something's just going to crush box office numbers. I don't know what it is, but. There's going to be something because we all want that. And it's just a chance to get away from, you know, our individual Great Depressions. Yeah. Um, Well, do you have any uh, final thoughts on My Man Godfrey or anything we've just talked about or anything like that? I mean, it's as much a fantasy now as it was in the 30s. Mm -hmm. 
that idea that everyone is immaculately dressed. Sometimes it's hard to tell if the women are wearing pajamas or nightgowns or like the fashion of that time. Everyone looked amazing, but I couldn't actually tell what. Oh, like what, what the was reason like a nightgown or like a going out gown? Yeah, like yeah. all of their clothes <laughs> looked so good that like I yeah. couldn't tell what social occasion they would be for. Right. And all the men are dressed immaculately. Yeah. I mean, Godfrey's wearing a tuxedo for almost the whole movie. He looks great. He looks great. Yeah. But like that. Um, it's just nice to see people this comes from watching movies about rich people but like to see people looking their best yeah whereas you see rich people nowadays and maybe it's just me not liking fashion but it's ripped jeans and like really expensive t-shirts and yes I get that an off-white t-shirt would be very expensive but it doesn't look that amazing yeah yeah but seeing a bunch of people living in a nice house dressed fancy and throwing barbs at each other I don't know how much better movies get honestly I think this is like a 5 out of 5 perfect movie I mean, it's hard. It's hard to argue with that, um, and I'm not going to try. Like, I definitely agree. I think that, like, this is exactly the kind of movie that I think we should all be watching right now because, like, it just has that like quality to it. You know, it's just like nice people who are funny, and you know, the sets look great. I mean, the you know, even with this movie being in black and white, like, you could just tell so much detail went into the film, how it looks. You know, the Lakava I think is a pretty you know. Um, great with pacing and timing and gags like he just has such a like light touch with it everything just like works so seamlessly you know of course the performances uh, especially by you know our two leads carol lombard and william powell are just so uh, like bright and spirited and energetic and yeah i mean i i really you know this movie is a classic but i'm not sure how many people have seen it so if you have not seen it it is available on Amazon Prime, at least here in the U.S. And also, I think the Criterion Collection has... It's on Blu-ray, right, with them? Yeah, it's on Blu-ray. And I believe uh, if you have the service Canopy, possibly through your library, they have most of the Criterion Collection on there. So it might be available there. One more thing I should say about the, the cinematography and the direction of this movie. There's a way that... You could film this as a very vulgar experience, showing yeah. this decadent rich family full of assholes and their gaudy house. But there's such, as you said, a light touch to the direction. Even a what seems kind of uh, superfluous one take of William Powell going all the way up these beautiful steps and seeing these objets d'art on the walls yeah. and going into people's rooms, and then another one take all the way back down. It doesn't feel ostentatious. It just feels like, yeah. oh, that's the way you would do it. It, it goes down like champagne. It's right. like, you know, that that's how you would do that sort of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, yeah, the champagne is a great word for these kinds of movies because it just has that, like bubbliness and effervescent yeah yeah um definitely and um matt where can people find you online with all your um projects and things like that well um so my main uh thing is my partner aaron and i we do a podcast called bollywood is for lovers where we look at um to me the place where good romantic comedies are found these days good new ones all the time Maybe not so much in the past few months, but like the past years, there's been some just like outright classic uh, romantic comedies coming out. So every two weeks, we look at something in Hindi cinema. 
uh, our latest episode, <laughs> we were just talking about streaming. We're looking at uh, the pilots of six uh, streaming series to find out which one we should watch the whole thing of. But we'll look at the careers of various uh, actors we like or look at a director or look at a genre. Just We try to do something different every episode and just try to appreciate this film culture as much as we can being outsiders as we are but just as just as movie lovers really trying to come from it from that angle yeah yeah great podcast highly recommended one of the great guest uh, great guest uh, Manish Mathur the <laughs> Prince of Hearts has been on for our Yash Chopra episode yeah. so that was good listen to that one yeah it was great it was a lot of fun to do it um, yeah you can find me on Twitter at the Manish 89 also the podcast at If Haunt of You please uh, rate, review, subscribe to help people find the show. Matt, thank you so, so much for doing this. I'm really glad to watch this movie again. It was such a, such a delight. It's, it's a great palate cleanser. Like, yeah. you can just forget your worries for an hour and a half, you know? Yes. And to listeners, thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys are staying inside, staying safe, and have a great, great day.